Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ who has set us free from our sins. God's word for us this day, as Pastor said, is from Matthew chapter 10. Know that on the night when Jesus was born, the angels spoke to the shepherds and they said, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And we know that Jesus is the Prince of Peace, came to bring peace between a holy God and sinful people. And yet throughout the centuries, many people have resisted that message. Many people have thought that they can establish their own peace with God apart from Christ, a kind of peace that they think they can accomplish with their words and their actions. Of course, this has caused a great division between unbelievers and believers. And many times this has resulted in hostility and even bloodshed. And so it is that Jesus said in our lesson for this day, let's see if we can unpack this. He said, I have not come to bring peace to this earth, but a sword. And this is without a doubt the very word of our God as it is recorded for us in Matthew chapter 10. Well, you know, when I go into the dentist's office, it's usually not a pleasant experience. I don't think there's any dentist in here. But there's a couple of things that stand out in my mind every time I walk through the door. And maybe this is not what you would expect, but the first thing that draws my attention is the unique smell or scent of a dentist's office. You know, I could be blindfolded, put me any place, and I would recognize that scent anywhere. It's not bad, it's just different. Second thing, when I walk into the dentist office, is that music they play. It's called background music, or mood music. And it actually has an official name. It's called Muzak. M-U-Z-A-K. It was actually copyrighted and trademarked in 1954 as lift music, mood music, Elevator music. Uh, Ted Nugent, you probably never thought you'd hear Ted Nugent in a sermon. Uh, But Ted Nugent once referred to it, mood music, music as an evil force causing people to lapse into uncontrollable fits of blandness. And Ted Nugent went on to say he tried to buy the uh, rights to uh, that Uh, He thought that it's ruined uh, many of the best minds of our generation. So much for Ted Nugent. You know, those who are proponents of this kind of music claim that you're not really supposed to listen to it, but it simply should soothe your soul and it should go unnoticed. A good mood, that's the goal. Now, you're probably wondering at this point, what does this have to do with uh, the, the Word of God today and, and this particular message? But I think sometimes uh, people look at the Word of God that way. Is that, you know, you're supposed to listen to it, but don't really pay any attention to it. Uh, you're kind of to hear it. And, and God's Word in our world today at all costs, is simply to be soothing, it is to be comforting, and it is to provide rest for a weary soul. And of course, we know that the gospel is indeed soothing, as it reminds us of how God has freed us 
from our sins. Jesus Himself said, what? Come unto Me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But Jesus also makes it clear, very clear, that the rest and the peace that He is talking about in today's lesson is not the kind of lazy boy, easy chair variety of rest and peace that our society pushes today. The gospel lesson for today is not a sit back and relax message. This different teaching of Jesus reflects something that we all know in our heart, but we prefer not to think about it or talk about it. And that is this. When you mention the name of Jesus, when you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior in public, or sometimes even in your own families, that's going to be met with friction and it's going to cause divisions. But why is that? We know that Jesus came into this world to bring peace between a holy God and sinful people. Again, that's the gospel. But we also know that Jesus proclaimed the whole counsel of God's Word, also the law. Why did He do that? Does He want to be a mean and nasty guy? No. God warns us about the danger of sin. God warns us about living life apart from Him. And the purpose of the law, it actually has three purposes, but one of the main purposes of the law is that it acts as a mirror. And it shows us our sin for the purpose of showing how desperately we need a Redeemer. And this law of God, the Gospel, the Word of God, Jesus Christ, again, creates a sharp division among unbelievers and believers. Martin Luther once referred to this particular text this way. He said, We must be guided by the principle that we must obey God rather than man. Be that our parents, the government, preachers, or yes, even the church, if it were possible for those to oppose Christ. Of course, we know these divisions over Jesus creates divisions within families. The tension between Archie Bunker and his son-in-law. What was his son-in-law's name? I, I can't think of his real name. I know they called him Meathead. Uh, that's what Archie Bunker called him. Uh, is nothing compared to the tensions that we see in the world today over Christ. So here's the context. The context behind this lesson is this. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's about to send them out into the mission field. And so he gives them this word of warning. And he says, don't be surprised if people take offense at your message. Don't be surprised if it is not received with good cheer. Because this message that I am the way and the truth and the life it's going to cut to the heart. It's going to cause friction and factions whenever people hear it and take it seriously. And so it is that Jesus tells the disciples and He tells us, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. The Gospel is no muzak, M-U-Z-A-K, to sinners. Again, we don't want to hear 
the law. We don't want to hear about sin. Again, Jesus cuts to the chase, though. He speaks plainly to us today and to a world that has turned its back on him. Just like the people in the first century who fashioned uh, for themselves false gods and who lived a life doing whatever they pleased. Jesus came literally to change us from being self-centered to being God-centered. God-centered lives of love and mercy and forgiveness toward one another. The gospel must be heard, no doubt about it. But when the gospel is proclaimed, you know it as well as I do, some gladly receive it and others reject it. One of the great mysteries is, why is it that in one particular family, one can gladly receive it and the next one doesn't? In today's Old Testament lesson from Jeremiah chapter 28, you have another example of Muzak. Here you have God's all-pro-prophet. His name is Jeremiah. He proclaims the hard message. He tells the people, repent of your sin. Turn back to God. If you don't, here is what's going to happen. But there's another prophet alongside of the all-pro-prophet of God. His name is Hananiah. And he is a false prophet. He is one of these guys who tells people whatever they want to hear. He doesn't tell them the truth about what is to come. He really could be a disc jockey for mood music, feel-good music, elevator music. And ultimately, what happens to the people of God? He doesn't tell them the truth. They believe him. And ultimately, the Babylonians come and ransack the entire nation. And they tote their people off into captivity for years and years and years to come. You see, this is the message of today's gospel lesson. Jesus tells us that we are to take his word seriously. There is power in God's word. Power to comfort and soothe a sin-sick soul. But there is also power in the word of God to transform and to recreate our life. God's word is music, the ultimate music to our ears. You know, the more you watch the news today, the more you say to yourself, where would I be without my God-given faith? You know, we live in a time in an age of uncertainty. Martin Luther called it the monster of uncertainty. Luther tried to find peace. He tried to make peace between himself with God, and the harder that he tried, he found no peace. Finally, after, as a last resort, going to the Word of God, he found that peace that passes all understanding. When we allow God's Word to flood our life, old habits are shaken up, and lives are remade and made new. Hard feelings and anger that have festered in our hearts for years are discarded, and we no longer have to live by the philosophy an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. And yet, you can be sure that the word of Christ, the very mention of his name, is going to be met with resistance. That's why Jesus cautioned his disciples. And that's why he cautions us. 
You've seen it happen in your own life. I just want to relate a couple of people that I've experienced this with here at Christ Our King down through the years. may have shared these stories with you before, but they're worth repeating. The one was when I first came to Christ Our King. Guy comes into my office. I don't know him. He's pretty pushy. He just barges into my office and he tells me, I want you to get my wife back because uh, she's leaving me. And she comes to your church once in a while. And by the way, I don't have time for your Jesus crap. That really sends me into orbit. He says, uh, I don't have time for that. I said, so what do you do with all your time? He says, well, arrogantly, I work two jobs and my wife works two jobs. So I said to him, well, what do you need four incomes for? He said to me to make my house payments and to pay for all my toys. I said to him, you know... If you spent half as much time with your wife and your kids as all these other things that you think you need, you probably have a great marriage. He said to me, you think so? And here's what I said. Well, obviously it's not working your way. Uh, that met with a little bit of resistance, to say the least. The second example was a lady who came to our church many years ago uh, searching, I think it was around 9-11, where a lot of people were searching for the truth and meaning in their life. She came to church searching for meaning. Eventually, she became a Christian. And she said to me at Thanksgiving that year, Pastor, here's what I'm going to do. This has never happened in our family before. I'm going to say a Thanksgiving prayer. And so she did. And so after Thanksgiving on Sunday, I said to her, how did it go? She said, well, it, I thought it, the prayer was good. She said, I thank God for uh, my family and my faith, and I thank God for all the blessings he's given us. And then when I finished, my husband was irate and sarcastic, and he said to me, you forgot one thing. You forgot to thank me because I'm the one who put all this food on the table in the first place. You know, it happens in families. It happens in the mission field. When one person, when one family member takes the word of God and the message of Jesus Christ seriously to the objection of others. You see, the real problem is Jesus Christ is not first and foremost in many people's lives. And because of that, there is friction and faction. Name any conflict you want to. Two lifelong friends are at odds with each other because one's telling tales out of school on the other one. Think about what would happen if Christ were first and foremost in that relationship. Or a husband and wife are at odds with each other. They're upset with what each other because one of them seemingly is never at home. And the other one doesn't understand why. Think about how that would change if Christ were first and foremost. I don't know how many of you this morning uh, used the portal of prayers, but my wife and I read this this morning. I should have read this before the sermon. But how many of you read the portals of prayer for today? Actually, it addressed this very text, and it's so good, I should have... Uh, used it ahead of time before I prepared this sermon. I just want to read it for you. 
Through rough times and smooth, joys and trials, there is still no greater gift here on earth than our family. Families are fun, but they're also fragile. They cry and they laugh together. Families sometimes hurt one another, but they also are to forgive one another. God created families in the first place, and he finds no pleasure when there is quarreling and division. What then is the meaning of this lesson for today from Matthew? Our Lord came to this earth for one reason, to seek and to save a world lost in sin, and to give the promise and the hope of salvation that there is forgiveness and life forever in heaven. All of our sins were hung on Calvary's cross and left limped and powerless. And from that cross, we are called to discipleship and all that entails. Our Lord is not saying, choose between me and your family. You can't have both. But implicitly, God is asking, what is your family's priority? Does your family live for itself? Or is there a reflection of Jesus' desire to serve the needs of others? Does your family life put Jesus Christ front and center? That really is the heart of this message. You know, personally, I don't like conflict. But sometimes you're drawn into conflict. And here's another thing that happens to us as Christians. Sometimes well-meaning people, when they find out that we're Christians, uh, they have no use for us. Or they may call us hypocrites. Or they may berate us. And sometimes we think that in order to be friends with them, we have to soft-pedal or compromise the truth of God's Word, to cave in. But that's a dangerous thing to do. That doesn't help anyone. Again, how important it is to remember that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and mine. Don't apologize for it. He is the way, and He is the truth, and He is the life. And as I said to a guy who was working on my carport this week, it's amazing the people that God brings into your life. This guy comes up and he says, I got a question and it's not about concrete. He said, I got this problem with this friend of mine. What should I do? It's an opportunity for me to tell him, well, what does the Bible say? Speak the truth, but always speak it in a spirit of love. Again, God has done everything necessary for our salvation to free us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's not mood music. It's not lift music that should be not listened to it or pay attention to. I think that the word of God, the gospel, is like the hallelujah chorus. It's the angels and the archangels and all the company of heaven. It's lauding and magnifying God's glorious name that he has rescued you and me from sin and death and the power of the devil. And all who believe it will live with him forever in heaven. That's the good word for today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your great love and faithfulness to us. In your great love, you speak the truth. And sometimes people don't like the truth. Sometimes we don't like the truth. But your word is truth. And you tell us that if you follow me, you follow the truth, and the truth will ultimately set you free. We thank you, Lord, for the freedom that we have in this nation. We thank you for the freedom that comes to our heart and soul through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
We pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen.